This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. With me is Brad Livingston. Hey guys, uh, it's good to have you here today. We are very excited um, to be wrapping up what was our last part of the Iceberg series. Before we get into that, uh, you can catch me on Twitter as well at Brad Livingston underscore. Um, so feel free to check us out. Listen, we'd love to hear from you guys, man. Um, so if you have any questions, any comments, any statements, something you would like to add or something you'd like to ask Justin and I, uh, man, please send us an email at followup uh, at transformationchurch.com, followup at transformationchurch.com, uh, or just uh, tag us in a tweet, add us in a tweet, do something, get a hold of us. Yeah. Dude, use Twitter. Yeah, use love Twitter. It. Love <laughs> it. So uh, love it. Feel free to do that. And then Justin, where can they find the uh, the church as a whole on social media? Uh, at uh, on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola, or uh, you can find all that from our website transformationchurch.com. That's it. Check us out. And so, man, we are very very excited about this week and um, such a great weekend, man. If you guys have not got a chance to listen to the sermon from this past week. Go check out the podcast um, or go check us out uh, at transformationchurch.com and watch it. You can watch it there. You can listen to it on the podcast, but a great, a good week, man. Yeah, yeah, real good. I saw a bunch of stuff online, just people, you know, posting about this, this, um, this service on Sunday. The, the message was great. It was a, it was powerful. I'm really like, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying it when I get up and close the service out, but I really like this this series, this iceberg series, I just think that anytime you can talk about something that's, um, has life application, you know, that's just practical. Yeah, for sure. I like that. You know? Yeah. And I, and we even, you know, some of the newer people that are joining the church right now, I mean, this is a, a big thing for them. I mean, how many people, how many times have you sat in a church service or I sat in a church service or other people sat in a church service? And, and, and it's not to say that any church is better than the other, but you know, there's something to say, <laughs> there's something to say, um, about, uh, when we're able to take the Bible and deal with things that we're dealing with, um, you know, and so I, I don't, I, I think there's definitely, um, you know, I, I believe in and I support and I practice expository and exegetical preaching and all those things. Um, but I think there's also good moments where we get to deal with what people are dealing with, uh, in life from a topical standpoint. And we, have done that in the iceberg series. And like Justin said, I think it's just been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and it's been very enlightening for a lot of people to, to really deal with, you know, part one, the first week was fear. You can go back and listen to that. Then we dealt with unforgiveness. Um, and then last week, uh, week three, we dealt with essentially what was peace. Um, and then this week we were dealing with silence, the iceberg of silence, iceberg of silence. So, um, Man, just kind of kind of segue in that for you guys is what we're what we're talking about when we're dealing with the iceberg of silence is that there is uh, there's something inside of all of us that continues to push our witness down where sharing the gospel is not a priority where we're going out and talking to people about Jesus, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our schools, our communities, our neighborhoods, um, you know, talking to our neighbors and talking to people about Jesus uh, is not a priority for a lot of us. And we we have to break the iceberg of silence um, for a number of reasons. And that's kind of what we got into uh, on Sunday. Yeah. So when we start off talking about dealing with the ice, 
of silence. You know, you, we, we listed reasons why people are silent. Yep. We'll, we'll walk through that list a little bit. First one was we believe that nobody cares. Yeah. You, for, uh, a good reason, a good chunk of the people um, are kind of insecure in their faith. And they think that no one cares about what I believe. It's not that important. No, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, in all reality, um, you know, that's just a lie that the enemy tends to try to use where, you know, if we're, if they're, if we're building up our faith, we're building up ourselves to go talk to someone about Jesus. I mean, they're not going to care. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to want to hear what I have to say. They don't care what I do on the weekend. They don't care about my church. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about God. And, and, uh, man, really having to, to shift away from the idea that nobody cares. So, yeah, that's good. And, and I think that, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to. I can go down a whole rabbit trail. We'll just the, the next <laughs> go one. down the rabbit trail. Yeah, no, 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 not not there. Uh, the next one is the fear of rejection. Yeah, so the fear of rejection, um, and we actually talked about something that I thought was pretty unique. Uh, we talked about how uh, with rejection, um, the the same neurological pathways in our brains um, are triggered when we experience pain. Um, those are the same pathways that are triggered when we experience rejection. And so, you know, you look at someone and why, like, why do we fear rejection so much? Why do we fear the idea that someone would disagree with us or uh, tell us they don't want to be our friend anymore because of the way we believe? And it's, it's the idea of rejection. Uh, but our pain, uh, our brain processes rejection the same way it processes pain. Um, and so whenever tell, someone tells us we're stupid, someone tells us they don't care about what we think, that rejection um, in, in our mind is a very serious thing. And that is one of the reasons why we can always remember it. That's the reason why it kind of, it sticks with us for a while, like rejection. You yeah. know what I mean? When you, when ex- rejection will keep you up at night, at least for a couple of nights, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that'll, that'll, uh, that'll really mess with you. And it's because your, your brain is processing that information the same way it would process, you know, like we use the analogy Sunday, banging that pinky toe on the coffee table, you know, or the, or the kitchen chair or something like, man, yeah. you're going to, you're going to know that you're going to know that, yeah. you know what I mean? So, and you're going to remember it. So, uh, same idea. So we fear rejection. We we're, we're silent because we don't want people to reject what we're, who we are based on what we think. Next, uh, we, we are silent because we're not qualified or at least we think we're not qualified. I think we're not qualified. You know, I'm not a pastor. People tell me that all the time. You know, when I try to encourage people like, hey, listen, go out man, talk to people about your faith and and uh, you get that opportunity. And they're like, yeah, but I'm not a pastor. It's like, well, you don't have to be like, yeah, what does that mean? Well, th- yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You know, like uh, being a, I'm not qualified. I didn't I didn't take any classes. I didn't. It's like, listen, you know, has Jesus done something in your life? Yes. Like tell people about it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to me, this whole misconception of pastors in, in a way. I like what what, you know. Chris Hodges says from Church of the Highlands, you know, is, is as a pastor, his job is not to do ministry. His job is to lead leaders and build leaders and pour into people and that type of thing. It's it's a Christian's job to do ministry. You right. know, it's all of our job. But I think of I don't know who this old quote is. It's old, but I think of the quote that, you know, the Christian shoemaker's duty to God isn't that he sews little crosses on all his shoes, it's that he makes good shoes. Right. Right? That whole concept of our Like you can do, you can be a Christian in your normal walk of life, whether you go to work at a bank or you, you know, you put vinyl siding on houses, like you do good work, you know, have credibility, have accountability, you know, that type of thing. And it just made me think of that quote that people say that we're not, I'm not a pastor. I can't do it. It's like, nah, but you don't have to. Yeah, Yeah, you can do it. You can. Yeah. And we even later on, you know, we'll talk about some of the, the way we described and how we do that. So um, I think that I think that that's huge. I so. like I like the next one. 
Political correctness, folks. Yep. It'll get you every time. <laughs> you know, like um, the the idea of political correctness, um, you know, and, and uh, there's a quote, I didn't use it on uh, in the sermon, but there's a quote by Kathy Kelly that says, political correctness has replaced biblical witness. You know, and it's like mm. we're, we're so focused on making sure we don't offend someone. We're so focused on making sure that we're politically correct, you know, that we're not imposing our ideas onto people, which in turn is someone imposing their ideas on us because their idea that we shouldn't be telling them is being imposed on us. Therefore, we can't impose our idea on them. But, you know, I mean, the political correctness, we have to watch what we say and watch what we do and dance yeah. around and whatever. Like, it's so crazy. I was watching a video this morning on YouTube. I'm not going to talk about the topic just because it can go, go crazy, but you know, just from a political standpoint of where I stand politically, which we're not going to talk about, um, I was shaking my head at the side I usually tend to agree with, right? Because the political correctness correctness is is almost getting out of hand in, in a lot of ways, and you know, everyone's offended at every, like I'm offended at how easily people are offended now, right? Like for real. But, I mean, one of the things, listen, and while while we're here, right? So, like you, I'm I have become a big fan of the show The Office. You're Be, welcome. Because of you and Christina and a few others and Anna and a few others here at the church, yeah. I become a big fan of The Office. I also remember being a big fan of like Saturday Night Live, Mad TV. Yeah. Like, like we would never be allowed to have those shows today. Like Miss Swan, like Stewie, like remember well, all these people from Mad TV? Like, well, Saturday Night Live is still there, but it's not what it like. It's yeah. not even close you to know, what it and, was. And they get a bunch of they get a bunch of crap from the right because they make fun of you know the president and things like that. You right. Know, right, right. Well, you can make fun of the right. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. you can make fun of, don't make fun of the left. <laughs> don't make fun of the left. Yeah. Right. Then it's a then it's a problem. Political right. work. Yeah. No, yeah. No. No. Tisk, like, right. Right. So, but yeah, yeah. All that to say, man, is it's like, man, could you imagine? Like, they would. These shows would never. No. And I'm gonna mention a skit from Saturday Night Live. So since we're going in there it's like i guess from the i don't know mid mid to late 90s was a little cartoon the ambiguously gay duo and it was these two superheroes it was like <laughs> ambiguously gay and it was it's funny you know right. but now would that be so offensive like to me oh yeah I, I they think, would shut like, that down in a heartbeat like, why can't we laugh at like it, it was funny now maybe with some of it obviously it's pushing the line uh I, i'm a big fan of pushing the line in all aspects people know that about me so um but but yeah this political correctness is is gotten out of hand from, from and i and i say that from someone i know the political correctness uh from a political standpoint you really see from the right right now the the alt right and all that really giving it to the left of of this whole you know, being against the political correctness and right. i don't want to sound like i'm in their camp because I'm not, um, but if there you followed him on Twitter, you would know <laughs> there is a point where we have to say, okay, like this whole offense thing, it's getting out of control. It's getting out of control, and then you put that into context with what we're talking about, like as Christians and stuff. It's like, so do, does someone who's maybe new to the faith, like is is newly saved, are they apprehensive? Won't even use the word scared. Are they apprehensive to talk about their faith in their workplace? You know, and, and here's it. And, and I used to tell students, kids like at school, like they can't tell you at your public high school that you can't talk about Jesus. Right. Can't in, do on it. your time. Can't. Right. Right. In between classes. Right. Can't whatever. do it. Right. right. You could carry your Bible around like right. they cannot 100%. tell you. Um, right. When you you're know. when you're in class, when you're on their time, that's their time. But when you're in between class, you're walking through the hallway or right. if it's a if the teacher is giving you free time, you can do whatever you want during that time. That's, that's yours. That's, that's right. And they, they just 
and e- even at work, I know there's rules and things like that, but, um, you know, I think at some point Christians have to stop allowing ourselves to be bullied in certain arenas, you know, 100%. now what happens when, you know, if you're at work and you want to talk about Jesus and your boss is telling you, Hey, shit, you need to chill. You know, what if you start using the word hate crime back to him? Hey, this is verging on hate crime. You're, you're violating my right right now. You know, does the, does the tone change from there in? I don't know. Is it a hate crime? Possibly. I mean, you could walk down that road, but how many people are apprehensive? Right. Well, here's, and here's the thing too, like buddy down the hall in the cubicle three rooms over just said a joke that had 36 F words in it. Everyone's cool. But as soon as I mentioned the name of Jesus, was it a good joke? (laughs) This is a hypothetical, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? But like, yeah, as soon as someone mentions the name of Jesus, like, oh, now everyone's up in arms. Like, no, listen, if people can tell anywhere there's free speech happening and someone can tell a joke, you can talk about Jesus. For sure. Like period dot the end. You know what I mean? And I get, I get on military bases. They're trying to watch that stuff super strict, but um, man, like you can, I think, I think we need to be strategic about how. I do think that that's oh, the case. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that if you walk in your job and you say, hey, all of you are going to hell unless well, you repent right now. Like, that's just terrible. Evangelism. That's yeah, that's yeah. not good evangelism. <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. Um, and therefore, but I think I think there are proactive ways about doing it, which we'll like I said, we'll talk about. In yeah, a few that, that's bad evangelism, whether you're your workplace or a preacher from a pulpit. In sure. my opinion, I think we should communicate more from a love standpoint. I like. I just like the way Jesus did it. You know, maybe right. I'm biased. Right. Right. But. And again, and I said this on Sunday, I think there's a time and a place. I think there's a time and a place for an eternal conversation, but I think you can communicate that hell is someone's destination in love with an attempt to pull them out, not with an attempt to condemn them there. Yeah. And a lot of times it's <clears throat> maybe using the whole workplace analogy, it's like, the problem with you talking about Jesus is maybe you were the one who told the joke with the 11 F bombs in it before, hey, you, you know, so there we go. it's like, it's like your life, not, not matching up to what you then try to preach. You are know? you insinuating that there are spiritual hypocrites? Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, I am. <laughs> right. But then again, I think, I think hypocrites is a label that we as Christians all have. Sure. You, you know, to some degree. Right. Well, know? because none of us have achieved or none of us have arrived. No, and, we're all, I, and we're all striving to achieve and we're uh, all failing every day. Well, that's the problem. You know, we're all labeled hypocrites by people who don't go to church. I don't want to go there because you know, everyone's a hypocrite. It's like, yeah, we have room for you too. Like, yeah, there's, there's an open seat. Like that's what, <laughs> that's, you know, what we have, we, we have grace. That's what it's there for. Like we, we're not, we love Jesus. We aren't Jesus. There's know? hypocrites at the bank, but you keep cashing your check. Yeah. I mean. So if, where, where are we drawing Where's the, the barometer? Right. Where are we drawing yeah. the line? Anyways, Anyways, next is uh, one of the next reason complacency, uh, also, uh, comma spiritual laziness. These two kind of going hand in hand. I think a lot of people fall into this bucket. One hundred percent. A lot of people fall in this bucket. Yeah, we I, like. I think what happens is we are all believers who are striving for everything God wants us to be, while simultaneously trying to accomplish the American dream in the Western Church. And because of that, we've become complacent with the fact that we are saved and that we don't need to become missional about helping other people get saved. Uh, Therefore, we're complacent. We're complacent spiritually, but we're striving for greatness 
in our tangible, natural American dream, you know, all those things. So it's like, man, like, yeah, we. That's tough. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got to get this bigger house. I got to get this bigger car, faster car, shinier car. I mean, going back to last week, going back to vanity and peace and all those things that we talked about. Well, and I almost view it not di- from a different angle in a sense, because I think about um, when I was back in the in the in the corporate world, sales war- world, um, did, did sales. We used to have this thing on the wall in my office. It's, it was like the three dangers of success. One of them being complacency. Right. And then think about that from a church perspective. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of churches probably in this town alone, hundreds and hundreds of uh, churches, yeah, but, well, you know, th- thousands of churches around the, around even the nation that are, are, I think we could label complacent in what they're doing. Now the, the, 10, 20, 30, 40 people that show up, you know, into their holy huddle or high-fiving each other and, pat, <laughs> and patting each other on the back. And that's, and that's great. I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But, you know, other than I, I know a church right now, this tiny, it's small. Um, I believe all the people there love Jesus and all these sure. things. Uh, over a hundred grand in the bank, yet they do nothing. Right. Buildings, everything's paid for. Money in the bank. There's no outreach. There's no evangelism. There's no activities. Right. You know, the the same 15 people show up every week. They sit in the same spot at the same pew every week. And it's like, what are y'all doing? Right. You know, like, I'm great. Y'all are all going to heaven and, and all that. Like, I'm, I, I think that's awesome. Like, we'll see you there. But what about everyone else? Like, yeah. in your sphere of influence. Like, I missed the scripture where Jesus said, go and wait and do nothing uh, while uh, you anticipate the end times. I'm pretty sure there was go and make disciples there was go and preach the gospel there was go like you know it's it's uh, a yeah, what the the old thing that. we've talked about where um uh you you said to me one time it's like since when did the gospel become come and see rather than go and tell yeah i mean i just i i i love that and you know i started realizing that just from facebook <laughs> you know from facebook from pastors and church leaders and churches that i like their page in this town Every week, they all say the same thing, right. including, and we're guilty of that here. I think so. Yeah, it's we, not it's not us saying we're different, but you know, every week we're it's, working diligently. We're working that. diligently to to be uh, to have a a different voice in that arena. But every week, from every pastor and every church, it's don't miss Sunday. Be here. Life changing. Every message is life changing. You know, every, right. which every it message is life changing. Sure, don't get right. me wrong, but it's almost like. The, the way it's presented with the four exclamation points after each sentence is like this week's better than the last. And then the next week it's this one's better. It's like, um, right. but eventually but, you know, one's not better. We have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. There's no. a, you got about, but, but when did it turn into, we're, we're trying to get the world to co- come to our building, right? Dr- come here, come see what it's about versus, uh, you know, yeah, go and tell, which right. is one of the, th- I think one of the reasons like pause for a second, I think this is one of the biggest reasons why I always will. I'll never have a problem with it and I always will support and stand behind our pastor uh, pastor Dan the founding pastor of Transformation Church shout um, out because uh, pastor um, above anything else like if you're watching his, if you're on his Facebook you'll probably see three things maybe four you'll definitely see some stuff about Jabin my son yeah. his grandson <laughs> like that'll be there hunting uh, hunting 
um, him doing community in some sort of way, small groups or whatever, standing with Israel, just like whatever his groups are. And his wife. <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> but the one thing you will see all the time is him talking about who he interacted with uh, and introducing them to Jesus and how he met someone yeah. at the gas station or he met someone at Walmart <clears throat> or he met a single mom at the doctor's office that was, you know, like he, he's always proactively looking to take the hope of Jesus somewhere, not just sit back and wait for them to walk through our doors. Um, and I think that's why I can always get like I'll always be able to get behind him because he's not it's not come and see you know what I mean for him it's 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 he's living life in Walmart checkout lines at the gym you know what I mean at the at smoothie king wherever he's constantly proactively looking for people that he can introduce Jesus to yeah and I and I love that because I think about there's a guy down the road here on the corner Mm -hmm. um local from us that's that sits out with that sign you know calling out pastors and church leaders. Yeah, and he's yeah, got the yeah. whole Hosea Gomer sign. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. how pastors have become, you know, the, the and it's like. Yeah, he, he camped out in front of our church one week. He did my old church too. He, yeah. he, we invited him in to, yeah, to so service. Yeah, so did we. Yeah, yeah. We he, brought him food. Yeah, we took him coffee, yeah. <laughs> the, he said he would come in if he could bring his sign. And we were like, nah, you can come in and hear what we're about because, you know, but whatever. Um, but he's, I don't know, he don't got a job or something. He sits out there with the same. Same old sign. He needs a hug. Number one, number one, when you read the story of Hosea and Gomer and what he's got on his sign, he's missed the whole point. Yeah. He he's calling us that we're Gomer. It's like, that's right. Like that's the point of the story. Yeah. We're all Gomer. We yeah. all need a Hosea. But that, that's not where I'm going with Some this. Some hermeneutical understanding would be very helpful. Yeah. The the problem is that's that's how he feels he wants to reach people. Um when I just think he's going, he would be way more effective like in his everyday life. Like, so talking about pastor Dan, he doesn't wake up in the morning, I assume and say, okay, today I've got to work going into this place so I can go do that. So I can do the go and tell so I can evangelize. Nah, he's just like, I got to swing by Walmart today. And while he's there, he does what he's called to do. right? Right. It's like, be nice to your waitress, like things like that. Like, tip well, Christians. Uh, tip well. Listen, I was tipping well before I was a Christian. Tip well. Tip well. Yeah. Twenty percent minimum. Just do it. It's worth it. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I agree with yeah, you. That's the thing like, about pastor. Pastor wakes up every morning. I've seen him do it. You know, I lived in his house for twenty-one years. You know, um, he wakes up every morning and says, "God, show me who you want me to tell." about Jesus today. Show me who I can bring hope to. Show me who I can love. Show me who I can talk to about how good you are. And he goes out and he just lives life. And he look, But he looks for that opportunity. And I think that's yeah. just huge. You know, and he's not complacent. Going back to what we're talking about, he's not complacent. He's not spiritually lazy. There's a hurting, broken, dying world out there. And we have a job to do. And we, have to, we, we need to bring the gospel to them um, and not just be so fixed on what I want to accomplish today and what, you know, me, 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 me. So... Me, me, me. Me. Next is we don't see the need. Um, the next yeah. reason why we don't share the gospel is we don't see the need. Like, is is there even a need to share the gospel? And um, some of these kind of kind of blend into each other a little bit on Sunday in the sermon, which you need to go back and listen to the podcast if you if you weren't there if you missed it. Um, you know, we kind of broke down um, not seeing the need and what sin is and what sin is not. Right. Like in other words. Um, you know, we, I used a phrase on Sunday, like if you said a cuss word today, you're not going to go to hell. 
if you know if your life thank you jesus you know (laughs) um if you whatever like if you yeah um but then we took it all the way to the extreme that um you know if you killed someone today that's not the reason you would go to hell you know we had a lady come to me not too long ago and she said you know i was talking to one of my family members and he just told me that he's gay um and i was trying to tell him that you know he you can't be gay because then you're gonna go to hell and i said wrong i said being gay doesn't send you to hell and her eyes just got real big i think she was like i don't know if she was angry with me or didn't believe what i was saying and i was like i think you're missing the point here i said jesus came he didn't come he didn't come to to drastically pull out these individual acts of sin in our life because his homosexuality is no different than your your gossip or or you know my what like we all have things in our life so the things aren't the problem right sin being at our core like not having jesus transform us into a new creation second corinthians 5 17 right like that is the problem romans 5 that like all those us not being transformed by christ into a new being that sin is not we need to repent we need to turn away from those things don't get me wrong i'm not saying we should just keep doing them no what i'm saying is you can try to stop doing the bad things and that's not going to get you there. And you know that I know that, but I think it's pretty weird how many believers say they know that. But then if you were to ask them, you know, why someone's going to go to hell? Oh, it's because they do these things. It's like, well, no, that's not, that's a manifestation of the real problem. Yeah. And that, you know, I think, I think sometimes I really like Carl Lentz taking the stand of because of his high profile as uh, leading a large church in Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, he's on, he's interviewed and all that. And he's got, they got two or three people there, right? They got two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three show up Two, yeah. Um, two in Manhattan, thousand. in two Manhattan. Three thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but he, he's known for not making a statement and won't answer questions specifically on like gay marriage and homosexuality. Um, in an interview, in interviews, right. Or from, even from the pulpit, he doesn't right. make blanket statements, and that's what he says. That's his reason for not answering that. He's like, I don't make a blanket statement um, that would prevent a conversation. And I know there's Christians that will say, well, you know, the Bible says what it says and is what it is, and I, I agree that it is what it is and says what it says. Um, but we but we overlook a lot of things. You know, they want, they want him to make a public statement on how he feels about homosexuality, yet they never ask him how he feels about you know, two people living together that are straight or, you know, how many churches overlook that in their congregation, mm. but don't want to let a, a, a gay couple in. Um, in fact, tr- I don't think I told you this, so you're going to learn something. We hey. got an email. We got an email last week to our, to our church. Okay. Um, from our website asking, it said, I looked at your website and I don't see your church's beliefs on homosexuality. Can you please let me know? left contact info. So, um, you know, one, one of our, one of our girls forwarded me the email, like here, I'll let you, I'll let you handle this, how you see fit. Um, and I called the lady, I wasn't going to respond an email because, and I, and I called her and, um, I was like, Hey, real nice. And I said, the reason I'm calling is because I, I felt like, um, I, I don't want any of our, yours or my tone to be misrepresented in an email. Right. And I just felt like we should, th- this kind of uh, question deserves a conversation. And, she appreciated that she's, they just moved here. Her and her husband uh, had just moved here. And she was curious because she has um, some, uh, 
a gay family member. Okay. Um, so that was her. She was curious. And I, and I asked her, I said, I'm not sure if you're asking the question from the angle of maybe you've been a Christian your whole life and you're completely against homosexuality. You're thinking of visiting our church and you want to know our stance. Um, are we one of these new hip churches that allows, you know, you know, right. whatever, or are you asking from the other side of maybe I'm gay, but I believe there's God that loves me and I'm trying to reconcile this. And I want to find a church that won't judge me, right. you know? So I asked her, I was like, I don't know what, what side you're answering, asking this question from. And she said, more from the second one. I'm married. I'm not gay, but I have close family members that are. And I'm just curious. And we had about a 20 minute conversation. Wow. And it was really cool. And I think they're going to, I think her and her husband are going to visit. Cause I, and I was able to talk to her, say, look, I told her, we, we believe what the Bible says that, that sex is between a man and a woman that are married. Married. So anything out of that, we believe is sin. Right. Whether it's two women, two men, a guy and a girl who aren't married to us, it all falls under the same category. Right. I said, now, that being said, we're not going to perform a gay marriage, right. but we're not also going to condemn the two people that walk in our doors and tell them they don't have a place here. So if, I said, if two gay people walk in our door on Sunday, I believe our people, our congregation and our leadership will allow them to sit through a service and hear the gospel. Yeah. without pointing fingers say you can't even be here because one, I don't think their sin is elevated above mine. Right. Um, that's just, but we had a really cool conversation and, and, and I yeah. think that's important. Well, and, and, and we know that, I mean, right now I know there's three gay couples that come to our church. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, it, um, and they're, they're appreciative. Um, I've, I've spoken to one of them personally. They know what we believe as a, as a church. Um, but even then, even when we have those conversations, like we don't have conversations that start off with, well, we believe like we just start like every conversation for us is like, well, the Bible says, and then we move forward because what we believe doesn't matter. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what I believe is irrelevant. What the Bible says is, and we have to introduce it like that. Um, and so when they came <laughs> to me, they said, what do you believe? And that was exactly what I told them. I said, well, honestly, what I believe doesn't matter. What the Bible says is. Um, but then I gave them the same breakdown that I gave the lady where I said, what I believe is what you think is my problem with you is not my problem with you. Matter of fact, I don't even have one. I said, Jesus needs to radically transform your life. Not because you're gay. Jesus needs to radically transform your life because your life doesn't have him in it. So you don't need to become ungay or what like that's that's not the goal here the goal is that you need to repent of of all your sins and that you need to turn to Jesus and let him make you a brand new creation that's it yeah. but what well what about being gay what you need to do is what the bible says repent and become a brand new creation through the blood of Jesus and what he affords on the cross like we yeah. don't even have to get into this individualistic what's right, what's wrong. I mean, I think that conversation is healthy. You know what I mean? I think yeah, when yeah. you have the conversation, the lady is totally healthy. But when they come, like, even when they come to me, I'm like, which again, drives the point that I agree with Carl Lentz. You know, Carl Lentz, if you ever listen to this podcast, I support you, bro. I just want you to know. I don't know if you're going to tune in one day. Someone you may might. hand it to you, but you whatever. Yeah, no, it's just, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We'll, so, we'll move on. Cause that, that can go, we can talk about that all day. All day. We yeah. probably do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. So, um, all right, next, uh, where were we? We don't see the need, right? Yep. Uh, next was, uh, we don't know how. We don't know how, and that kind of segued into the three points uh, on the sermon. 
Uh, we don't know how. Rabbi Zacharias has a quote. It says apologetics, which is the firm belief, um, particularly in something religious, um, and the ability to argue on behalf of. So the ability to have a conversation on behalf of a particular belief system, particularly one that's religious, also known as apologetics. Um, he says apologetics makes the believer think and the thinker believe. Yeah. Which I think is huge. Because every agnostic, every atheist thinks that they're smarter than everyone else. Yeah, and and here's the fact: a lot of times when it comes to Christians, they are. And I don't. I mean, they are usually the they're usually very intelligent. Yeah. Well, well, the church as a whole, at least the Western church, has done a poor job of teaching its people how to talk about what they believe. Right. You know, I think that's where you see in the, like the Baptist denomination has historically done a, a good job with Sunday school for years and years of teaching, you know, they've been good teachers. Um, but the, the, the problem is, and in, in look at Mormonism, look at Jehovah's witness, like they teach Islam, Islam, but you know, Mormon, Mormons teach Mormons how to talk to Christians or to they consider themselves Christians. Uh, they're incorrect, but right. um, you know, where we don't do that, we have a hard time with that. So you you take someone who's um, even a newer believer, you put them up against someone who's an atheist or agnostic. Maybe it's even them wanting to have a legitimate conversation and to learn something. And a lot of times, the only answer a Christian can give is just have faith. Okay, but. Can you go a little, can you go right. a little farther than right. that? Like, why does your church believe in this? You know, you believe in speaking in tongues. Why? Well, cause I uh, just do. my grandma so, did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. So you can't even have a conversation. So the problem is it's a, it goes down to like a branding problem. You know, I think that's where people who are atheist or agnostic or, um, you know, who tend to be intelligent, they just need they need some kind of evidence. And I think we have evidence to show them just most Christians don't know what it is, yeah, which goes yeah. back to the complacency. Lazy yes. It goes, all these are, are so connected. So, um, I, I think it's important to, I think apologetics is important. And, and I always like that kind of thing. Cause I'm a thinker. I watch a right. lot of stuff online and, uh, read a lot of things mm-hmm. that, that, that even like we give the little thing when I'm giving out my Twitter is like proceed with caution. That's kind of a joke, but that's because I, sh- I like and retweet things that I don't necessarily agree with, but they make me think like I'm a thinker. I like to think about things or expand your horizons. And so I don't just listen to one news station like so many Christians do. Um, you know, they listen to one outlet and it's like, okay, Fox news. I'm going to have to put a bleep in there. Yeah. We, <laughs> we do not condone or anything. Uh, yeah. But, but no, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, uh, I just, I like to think. And sometimes I post things that is intended to get the person who reads it thinking. It's like, that's just right. So, so yeah, I, I, I love the apologetics. Let's yeah, go to I'm, point. Let's go to point. Number, oh, you had something. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, I, I, nothing crazy, but I agree. I think even going back, you know, complacency, spiritual laziness is, um, you know, you look at Islam, you look at, Mormonism, you look at all these, none of them have the disciple maker, which was Jesus. So none of them have the disciple maker, but they all do the best job at discipleship in their own individual like, yeah. religions. It's like, wow. Like, it, wow. And it, and it just takes, it takes effort. That's the thing. Like you go look at this guy on YouTube, Jeff Durbin, right? Out of like Arizona. He's a, he's a pastor. He's a Christian. Uh, he, he's reformed. I think he considers him, uses the label Calvinist and all that, which is, you know, that that's fine. But he does a, 
a lot of his videos is him out on the street protesting like abortion clinics. But what he does is has not debates, conversations on the street with people that come up against against him mm-hmm. who kind of come up to him a lot of times combative because they're used to all the other Christians who just stand out there and holler, right. you're going to hell and you're a murderer and all these things. And he goes out there and has a conversation. And this dude is the best I probably have ever seen at at in a loving way talking to these people and showing them that he values them even though they disagree, but he knows his stuff too. And he also does it with Mormons. He goes to Salt Lake City and mm-hmm. does the same thing with Mormons. But he's spent hours and hours and years and years learning not only the scriptures that he believes, but even the Book of Mormon. Yeah. You know, and it's just like check him out. Uh, Jeff Durbin. Jeff Durbin's phenomenal. On YouTube. Phenomenal. All right. Dealing with the ice. Let's hit these three points real quick. We spent a good chunk of time on the beginning. Um, we want to hit these three, give them to you guys and uh um, so dealing with the ice of silence, number right. one, number one, separate the pit and the palace, separate the pit and the palace. So what we're getting at here is I think actually I know because I've dealt with it and I, I, I talking to other people that I know are dealing with it is that I think that we tend to believe as believers that we that when we are going through our pits or our prisons or, or or those are all metaphors for like times in our life where we're struggling, times in our life where we're really having to use extra faith, times in our life where we're really trusting God that He's going to do something. Um, we we're not happy about where we're at. We think those are the times that we should be quiet, and we also think that those are the times that non-believers look at us and go, "See." I told you God's not real. In reality, those are the times that non-believers are looking at us to see if we actually believe what we preach. In other words, man, you need to follow Jesus because life is great with him. But what happens when life's not great? Mm-hmm. What happens when life is pretty hard? Like what happens when things aren't going your way? Is Jesus still great? Or is Jesus only great? When you're in the palace, but he's not great when you're in the pit, right? Um, and so we talked about separating the pit from the palace. That's good. Um, and so you know we have to to understand that um, we have to disconnect what God has done from what God has done. So God has transformed us. He's brought us into a brand new place. He's made us a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen, right? Like we're trying to focus our minds and our heart on Christ. Colossians three, like we're doing all of these things. But when life goes bad, that's actually the moment of truth to all the people we've been telling about our faith, right? So in our silence, what we have to do is separate the pit and the palace uh, in our mind, because if we connect the two, we'll believe that we can't talk about Jesus in the pit. And we gave the analogies. I think I said, I think we need to be a lot more like Paul and a lot less like Joseph. Yeah. So, you know, when we see Joseph gets thrown in the pit and gets kidnapped by his brothers, thrown in the pit, slowed into slavery, becomes a, a worker in uh, the house, gets accused of rape, thrown in prison. And when he gets to prison, all he's doing the whole time is talking about how unfair it is that he's there and how he shouldn't be there. He was, it was wrong. He was falsely accused. It's not fair. Life isn't right. And I think we're all like Joseph. <laughs> sound like Christians. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah. sounds like everybody, right? American like, Christians. When we go through trouble, like, oh, this isn't fair. I shouldn't be here. I can't believe this. And we all do that. We're all like Joseph. I think and in that moment, Joseph 
was going to have to, he was going to have to choose to be used by God in that moment because there was going to have to come a time where he was going to have to stop focusing on himself and focus on other people. Right. So, uh, and we see that he does that. Whereas Paul, I mean, when Paul gets thrown in prison, right. When Paul's in his pit, homeboy is just gangster about it the whole time. Like, like to live is Christ to die is gain. So I mean, like you can kill me. I'm going to heaven. You're going to leave me here. I'm going to preach Jesus. You can't mess me up. All right. We're going to throw you in prison. Fine. I'm getting the whole prison safe. Like everyone's going to be a believer when I'm done. And the guards are going to know Jesus too. Like it didn't matter what they did to him. He was constantly looking for the opportunity to see how he could proclaim Jesus, how he could take the gospel, how he, like he was always looking for that opportunity and the pit his pit and his palace, which are both metaphors for when things are going wrong and things are going right. Um, both of those things uh, were not the hinge for him on whether he could or couldn't share the gospel. Yeah. His, the, his circumstance didn't dictate the, the, the mission. Right. Right. And I, and I like that. It's like so many times you hear about what people can't, you know, can't do. It's like ultimately no one cares. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. It's a bad day. Like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. You know, but, and, and, yeah. And, well, not only that, but I mean, even for, for us, you know what I mean? Like as we go through stuff, Justin, as you, if, you know, God forbid you go through something very, very hard tomorrow or next week, um, that really test your faith. Anyone that you've talked to about Jesus over the last six months, that's when they're going to start watching. Right. That's when they want to know like, okay, is this dude for real? Like he's told me how, how he Jesus can help us through the storms of life and all like he's preached that. So like, let's see if he lives it now. And unfortunately, most of the Western church tend to fall apart when circumstances go wrong. Right. Not everyone. I mean, there's some like, but man, when we get tested, we turn into a lot of Joseph's start whining, complaining instead of looking for how Jesus is going to do it. You know, like, so um, that's a huge thing for us. So we got to separate the pit in the palace yeah, reverse reverse engineer your finish line. Right, like what's your goal is? Where it's do you want to be, and what is bad, it going to take to get there? It's a bad day. Someone messaged me on Facebook a couple weeks ago, late, 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 and late at night. I shouldn't have been awake, <laughs> you know. But serious issues, serious problem, you know. Needed some, needed to hear something right then, and not, you know, I'm not the there there type person i'm not you know i'm not that i'm not that person so you're not warm uh, and cuddly no no not not, not for that. one in the morning not not for that <laughs> um you, you know so but that person needed to hear something so i start i, I ask questions okay this is this is where you're at now what what's your next step yeah, you know you exactly. know you know you're in a bad state of mind you know this you're telling me what you know so now what right. you know what do you want from me um Obviously, I need to to speak some truth and some life and that type of thing in in into that situation, and I did. But let's talk practicality. What right. are you gonna do tomorrow? Like when you wake up in six hours, now what? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, no, true that. Number two. Number two. Recognize the depth of mercy and the height of grace. I think that we, as believers. When we recognize and we, when we remember like how low we were when Jesus saved us, right? Uh, we even use the scripture, um, Psalms eighteen thirty five. it says, give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. And this last part right here says, you stoop down to make me great. In other words, like God had to come down to where we were 
to pull us up in through. So with mercy, he rescues us from what we absolutely deserve, which is hell. But he had to stoop low. Like there's a there's a depth of mercy because he had to come so low to pull us out. Um, and yeah, I mean, we wrote down some of these, uh, uh, just a few of these things where he said he didn't just eliminate the consequences of sin, but he justified us, right? He didn't just make us not guilty. He made us innocent. He didn't just make us not dirty. He made us clean. He didn't just take us out of bondage, but he made us heirs to the throne, right? He didn't just bring us to the palace, but he gave us a robe. He didn't just give us a robe, but he gave us a room. He didn't just give us a room, but he gave us a mansion, right? But, and we said that we're not servants anymore, but we are royalty, like in folks, listen to this podcast, Justin in front of me, like you have royal blood running through your veins. No doubt. And we live like paupers. Sometimes we live like beggars. We live like we don't belong. Right. And it's like when you finally grab a hold of the fact that you are royalty, that should drive you to bring other people like to take that message out. You know what I mean? Why do you have joy? Why do you have peace? Well, because no matter what goes on in this world around me, I know that the king who is my father is going to be able to take care of it all. You know what I mean? It may not look the way I want it to look. I mean, you know, whatever. But, man, I know that he's sovereign. He's in control. And at the end of the day, in mercy, he saved me. And in grace, he's going to continue to sustain me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's just huge. So, Big. um, so we talked about how um, he stoops low um, to make us great. And then, um, so we talked about the depth of mercy, but we also talked about the height of grace. Um, and it was, it was fun for me. It was, it was cool for me. I got to bring up two guys, one in each service that are very special to me, um, who I consider spiritual sons. Um, and so one was Juwan, shout out to Juwan. Um, uh, and then the other was Kyle, um, both of them are leaders in our church now. Um, both of them came th- through the student ministry when I was a student pastor. Um, and now they both lead teams, phenomenal guys, but I was able, we were able to bring them up. Um, and so j- tell me like, how did you, oh, with that whole analogy that we did with mm-hmm. them, like, how did you, wh- what were you thinking during that time? Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I think it puts a picture to what you needed to say, you know, and I think there was more than a few people within the congregation that would have heard it, but needed to see it, you know, and the whole analogy with walking them along, you know, we, you know, we're walking along and God's with us and then we stumble and then that's when God helps us back up. And then we walk along and something else gets in our way and causes us to, you know, or we stumble again and then God comes down and, and helps us up. And, um, but really it's, we're up there with him and you pulled him up on the stage then. And, you know, and then, and then you, you, gave them you you expressed to everyone how you affirmed them and identified them and all these things that God did with Jesus you know and it's like put put us in our proper place with him it showed that visually yeah you yeah. know and so both of you know both of these young men uh, neither one of them have uh, their fathers in their life um God has blessed me with some spiritual sons that I was able to step into their life and um, and be that for them. And they're just such amazing young men and their mothers are phenomenal. Um, uh, so just like, just rock stars. But, um, with that said, you know, the thing like Justin was talking about, you know, we would, we were showing how a lot of Christians think of God as just a person that's there to help them when they fall. 
right? So a lot of Christians believe that God is just there to, you know, oh, I fell down. All right, God's here through grace and mercy to pick me back up. You know, I fell again. All right, he's going to help pick me back up. And I, and I think that all believers see that. I don't think most believers grab a hold of the truth that God is not here just to catch us when we fall, but he wants to lift us up where we belong. And what you're talking about is like, man, we need to take our rightful place, like standing next to God. Not that we, not that we boast in that, right? Because Romans, we don't get to boast in that, but saying that, man, like you're an heir, like you are a prince, you're a king to the king, like royal, again, royal blood running through your veins. Like you are an heir to the throne. You are royalty, like in, in helping men and women understand that we don't have to see God as just the person that helps pick us up when we fall. He certainly does that. But I, I mean, we can live life belonging to the king, like belonging yeah. in the mansion, belonging to royalty, belonging to the family. Like, and when we grab a hold of that, and that was, you know, when we affirm, you know, I affirm both Juwan and Kyle, um, which I've done for years, uh, which is helping them understand that, like, they're mine. They are mine. Like, I love those dudes. Um, I helped raise those dudes. Like, they're mine. I was at their high school graduations. I was at all their birthday party. Like, I, I told them, like, I love you, you know. Um, I Like, you are a part of my family. So, going through all of that, helping people understand that that's how God sees us. Yeah. Like he loves us. You know what I mean? Um, it's good. So definitely huge. And Ephesians one five says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. So he adopted us by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Like the Lord loves that we, he has brought us into his family. So huge. And then number three, you better tell somebody. You better tell somebody, right? Um, and this is where we kind of broke down what it looks like to share the gospel. And so, man, um, I love, I got this from Matt Chandler um, at the Village Church, Dallas, Texas. Matt, Pastor Matt Chandler, if you ever listen to this, shout out to you too. Stud, love you. Anyway, so um, he said, he gave the best um, concept on taking the gospel into your schools, your jobs, your work, your communities, all that stuff that I think I've ever heard. Um, and he talked about, he used a phrase called heralding. Um, and I've used it over and over. And I think that it is just gold, man. And, uh, and one of the things I did was I asked them, I said, you know, um, I asked one of the young men on Central stage, I said, you know, have you ever gone to Brick's Pizza? And they said, no. And I said, man, let me tell you about it. You know, and I, I started talking about how cheesy the pizza was and, how it was hot and steamy, garlic, oregano, sauce, oh, the yeah. pepperoni was on there, mm. and they brought it to my table. It was still like steam was coming off of yes. it. Yeah, still the cheese was still a little bubbly. I'm about oh, to speak in man. tongues. Man, listen, it's too early for, for lunch, <laughs> but um, like it was just so good, um, and neither one of them had eaten there before. I knew they hadn't because it's not in Pensacola, but um, I neither one of them have eaten there before, and uh, I said, so have you ever had it? And they said, no. And I said, well, I said, Are, is part of you like interested? And they're like, yeah, it sounds amazing. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I said, did you feel judged because you haven't had it? They said, no. I said, do you feel like I was chastising you because you haven't had it? They said, no. I said, do you feel like 
condemned? Do you feel like I'm looking down on you because you haven't? And they said, no. And I said, do you just feel that kind of interested? Like, Hey man, this sounds amazing. I think I'd like to try to, I'd, I'd like to try that. And they're like, yeah. And I said, that's what the gospel should be. Like, we don't have to, I don't have to convince somebody how badly they need it. How about we just start walking about it, walking around, telling everyone how good it was. Describe the joy you felt. Describe the peace that you yeah. have. Describe the the gentleness that has set in for you. Describe <clears throat> the life change. Like You don't have to tell everyone they're going to hell. Just tell people how good the gospel and how good Jesus is to you and let them want it for themselves. And, and that's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. John 6, 44 says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So I'm going to put out the hook, which is how great Jesus is in my life. Um, and then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the work, um, which is heralding the gospel and then allowing God to do his part in drawing those in. Yeah, the I think, I think so many of us as Christians have our presentation so wrong. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's backwards, you know, yeah. as far as, cause the pizza is a good analogy, you know, of, uh, of, of that. And so many times it's, oh, you never had it. Well, what's wrong, you know, what's wrong, what's with, wrong you? with you? Yeah. You know, yeah. you never had it. Like you figure that out. You need to get there. You know, you're, yeah. you're going, you're going straight to hell. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's nah, like yeah, bro. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great approach. So, and, and we kind of wrapped up with the idea that for, um, for believers, you know, a lot of believers walk around without joy. They walk around without victory. You know, they walk around in that state. Um, in Revelation twelve eleven says they overcame him, which is the accuser, which is the enemy. They overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so we were talking about how when you, you, when you overcome, you're victorious. Well, your joy comes through your victory and your joy comes through the Holy Spirit. Your victory comes through Jesus. You're able to obtain both of those things. Um, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Therefore, your joy is directly tied to your witness about who Jesus is. Your victory is directly tied to you talking to other people about who Jesus is in your life. You want more joy. You want victory in your life. You're ready to walk, not as a beggar, but as a king. Then we have to open up our mouths and tell people about Jesus because that is where it's going to happen. That is where we're going to find our victory. That is where we're going to find our joy. And man, and, and even in that, I take great joy in knowing that the Lord has used me today to touch someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? For who, for who Jesus is. So Absolutely. huge. So that was it, folks. The iceberg of silence. We got to break it down. We got to get rid of it. Why? There's a world out there that needs Jesus. And we got to bring it to the table. Don't man. be silent, man. Don't be silent. So listen, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the weekly follow-up podcast right here uh, at Transformation Church. I am Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at TC. You can find me at Brad Livingston underscore uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so feel free to show us some love. Absolutely. And uh, Justin, where are you at? Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore. You can follow Transformation Church on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola or our website, transformationchurch.com. Be sure to share and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. And uh, we would love, we would love uh, for you to do that for us. If you will just rate, you know, leave comments on it, share it, subscribe. We, we would love it. And we're going to, 
be back next week. Be back next week. Hey, listen, don't forget, guys, uh, if you want to ask a question, if you want to give us a comment, you want to drop a note, something we can give you a shout out uh, on next week's podcast, man, you can tweet us, either one of us, myself or Justin, at those handles, or uh, you can send us an email to follow up at transformationchurch.com. All right, guys, we appreciate you. We love you. We're out.